All right, I've got a slightly different strategy than, than Brian when Brian talks about not being able to finish. So Luke chapter 10, 11, and 12 is what we're supposed to cover today. Luke chapter 12 ends with Jesus talking about how his impact will divide houses, will, will bring division. So that's all I want you to remember. So if, if Brian says, did you get all the way through, like, yes, because the end of Luke chapter 12, talks, Jesus talks about how his message would divide people. All right? So that's the only thing you're required to remember uh, from here, if Brian were to talk to you. Okay, everybody good? I'm going to say it about every five minutes uh, so, we can be, so we can all tell Brian we got through uh, 10, 11, and 12. Okay? Um, I want to do a quick um, a recap in, in chapter 9 to kind of set the scene. Um, we're going to talk first about um, a, a story where Jesus sends out 70 uh, men or, or 72 men, depending on what version you have in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says that he did so after this. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the scene, how I kind of see the scene of, of Jesus's ministry uh, starting back in, in Luke uh, chapter 8. So if you can Get your, get your fingers ready. We're going to kind of flip a little quickly through Luke 8 and 9. Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 1. He began going around from city to village, one village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. So Jesus has started to go around teaching about himself. The twelve men are alongside him. He starts to get help, especially from uh, the people of Herod, uh, Herod's household. So if you look at verse 3 of chapter 8. Joanna, the wife of Susa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others were contributing to their support out of their private means. So, so Jesus is talking city to city, and there's a ministry occurring, and there are some people who are related to the government who know about Herod, who know about Jesus now. Uh, so his message is starting to get a little bit, uh, a little bit broader. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. So the ministry is spreading further. It's not just Jesus going city to city talking about himself. It's now the twelve that are going out and, and, and talking about Jesus. He's known... He's known in the area, but he's not fully known. And the knowledge of him has not gone so broad and far that, that Herod has, um, has had, it hasn't had significant impact politically. Herod may have heard of him. Now we see later on in chapter 9 and verse 7 that, there's, that, that Jesus is free to move, but Herod is finding out about him. Uh, the, the masses are, try, are, are slowly finding out about, about Jesus. The um, reason this is important is that, that, that it's going to uh, exponentially expand in chapter 10 uh, and, and verse 1. Uh, but the 12 have been sent out. They come back with, with similar powers and instructions that the men in Luke chapter 10 have been sent out with. Um, Jesus talks a little bit about their shortfalls uh, in this chapter, about their lack of power, about their lack of unity, about arguing over who is the greatest. He begins a little bit of instruction about discipleship. Um, and then we have the, the, the very, very powerful scene of the, of the transfiguration establishing his deity. So think, for as far as the scene set, Jesus himself started to teach the message and then the 12 started to teach the message in the city, so it's getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And now Jesus draws together 70 in chapter 10 and verse 1 to go out uh, and, and spread his message further. 
What is Jesus trying now? With that scene set, let's see if someone can read my mind uh, a little bit. Uh, and, and not only read my mind, but read through the first uh, maybe 10 or so verses of chapter 10. What is Jesus trying to accomplish with sending out the 70 or, or, the, or the 72 um, in, this, uh, in this section? What, what, would be, what would be some of your thoughts based on the scene that I've said here? Okay, yeah, he is sending them out, but Jesus is not staying in one spot. Jesus is sending them out ahead of him. Where is Jesus going? Where is he, where is he eventually headed? Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right? So he's on his way from where he's currently at, you know, Galilean ministry, down uh, to Jerusalem to die. Um, this is the, the sort of the, in, in Jesus' mind, I think, he's headed in that direction. He sends a multitude of, of people, 70 people out, two by two, into the cities. Uh, he sends them to where the masses of people are. Um, the statement that he makes in chapter 10 and verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. The harvest is plentiful only makes sense where there's lots of people. There's lots of people in cities. So the harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. And how do you know uh, where to go find this plentiful harvest? If you're going to have a plentiful harvest, then you have to have lots of people who hear the message. Right? Jesus has already said in Matthew 7 that narrow is the way and, and few will find it. Right? So there's only going to be a few who find the message. But now he says in chapter, chapter 10 of Luke that the harvest is plentiful. So the only way that, to me, the only way that you get a plentiful harvest is if you spread the message everywhere that you can. And one of the ways you do that is you get 36 groups of people, 30, 30 groups, excuse me, 30 groups of people, and, no, sorry, man, math, 35 groups of people, and, 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 go, and go to city to city uh, and, and spread the message before Jesus, before Jesus gets there. Um, there's a couple of instructions that they're supposed to take along. You know, don't have the social norms of being friendly on the road. Uh, the gospel needs to be heard in mass, so, so time is limited. Okay? Uh, they're, not told, they're, not, they're told not to take anything with them. Verse 4, carry no belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one else on the way. And whatever house you enter, say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, you will rest, <coughs> excuse me, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Uh, skip down to, um, let's see, first. Yeah, so um, verse uh, 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out to the streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. And yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God ha- has come near. So there's a couple of instructions about... Uh, about what's going on when we go out to these cities. You're going to be going as lambs amidst wolves. Verse 3, carry nothing with you. And if you are um, ignored, wipe the dust off of your feet. Um, going in as lambs amongst wolves. What, what do wolves do to lambs? Uh, easy softball question. They, they eat them, right? Um, so 
if you, how do we know if the messages that the messages that we that we hear, uh, excuse me, the messages that we that we give are being heard? Uh, we won't be eaten. We will be taken in. Hospitality will be provided to us. There's a sign of the lack of hospitality in chapter uh, 10 of verse 11. Still got dust on your feet. Implying people have not brought you into their home and let you wash their feet. The same uh, problem is seen when the apostles went out in chapter 9 in verse 5. If there's dust on your feet, that is recognition of a lack of hostility towards you and towards your message. Take that and, and move on. move on to the next place. But before you do so... Spread the message of me mm-hmm. and the message that uh, I am coming uh, and that I am, that I am king. Um, one more thing that I think is, is pretty interesting is chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. And whatever city you enter, they receive you. Eat what is set before you. Eat whatever is in front of you. What what could be the problem there? What's that? You could eat too much. Yeah. What else could be the problem? Oh man. Yeah, it could be it could be something that's not um, clean from a Jewish standpoint. We're going into Samaritan territory uh, in some cases, um, but Jesus says, "Look, there there are some things that you." That you may uh, hesitate uh, to eat, um, whatever is set in front of you, uh, you eat it. Um, the goal here is not to teach them Judaism is right. The goal here is to teach them Jesus is Lord and King. Okay, that is the message that we are spreading right now: that Jesus is Lord and King, and that He is coming. Okay. Now, second question I've got up there: Luke writes. One long story. It's broken up into two books for us, the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. How does what's going on here, this is again, this is read Bill's mind uh, portion of the program. What is going on here that has an impact uh, or ties to what Luke talks about eventually in the book of Acts, his second volume that he writes? How would this be related? The word's not just spread by the apostles. Okay, okay. The word, what, what do you mean, Mitch? T- tell me what you mean. He sent out regular, regular people to go out and spread the word. Right. Exactly. Remember, it started in chapter 8, just Jesus carrying the message. Chapter 9, Jesus and the 12 carrying the message. Chapter 10, Jesus, then the 12, then the 70, who we don't know who these, who these people are. And then in, in the book of Acts, there is a fuller expansion of the gathering of the harvest. Uh, by by a multitude of people who leave um, who leave from uh, the Pentecost in Acts chapter two, who are spread after uh, Acts uh, chapters uh, six and seven uh, out of out into Jerusalem, out into the all all of the earth. There is a there is a uh, amplification, a, a a a magnitude of growth in how the harvest is is compiled, is 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 taken in. It expands even outside the Jewish people. Uh, in the book of Acts. Um, so Jesus starts, and what I think is unique is the only place that Jesus, excuse me, that Luke, that this story is talked about is in the book of Luke. Uh, I think that's what it's got to tie in is my mind. Is Jesus is seeing uh, an expansion of his message 
And then Luke talks about the further expansion of that message even to a different uh, nationality of people in the Gentiles in the book of Acts. Um, so what, what do we learn from, from this story in the first, uh, call it 16 verses or so of, of Luke chapter 10 um, about spreading the word to the masses. Any quick applications as you can think of? Let, let me offer you one, and then I'll ask, uh, I'll ask if, if you've got one. The commission that is given in, in Matthew chapter 28 is to go where? Go to all the world. Go to all the world, right? Um, there is something to be said for one-on-one personal evangelism. There's a lot to be said for that. Lots of examples of that in the Bible, in the New Testament. At the same time, there are examples of the word spreading in mass um, across the whole world. Instruction to do so in Matthew chapter 28, here in Luke chapter 10, in the book of Acts, the word, uh, the, 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 the idea of Jesus as Messiah and King has to spread to the masses, um, to the masses, and it could be in, in public forums. It should be, we see in the book of Acts, in public forums, in this place, and, and go to where the masses are and teach them and instruct them about what Jesus is bringing. Um, so the message is something that needs to be spread broadly. And there's lots of, there's lots of applications uh, that we could take to heart even today. I mean, you think about the people that we support from this congregation who spread the message of Jesus outside of the city that we live in, outside of the zip code in which we operate, right? It's a good, to me, a good example of how we apply the idea of spreading the word broadly um, to the masses. Any other things that you can think of as applications for us in the first part of Luke chapter uh, 10? Yeah, Nate. I think it's sort of like the apples and seeds scenario. Um, right. If you look at Jesus, he started it, then he taught the 12. Those 12 taught others. And those that the 12 taught, taught others. And it gets continually spread out. So it started with one, but it, I mean, it still hasn't ended yet. Right. No, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great point. You got Leanne right here, Jonathan? Um, in, in today's society, um, it's like um, it's completely um, dark because nobody has any morals or values in the world, so, sort of speaking. So when you're out there in society and you're working and you're communicating with other people, the only way they're going to know about Jesus is by looking and, and, and watching you and the way you act and the way you talk and the way you dress. And then they're going to um, ask you, what I get asked a lot is, where do you go to church? What do you believe? What, what, is, what, is your, um, uh, what is your core belief system? And then you tell them about the Bible, and then you tell them about the gospel, and then you tell them about um, where they can go find the gospel, like what stores you can go buy the Bible at, what, like do you need me to come for a Bible study? That always mm-hmm. opens up a door yeah. through, through, through them because they look at you and they say, you don't dress like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. You don't look like everybody mm-hmm. else. I want to know what you know. Yeah, and if you, if you put the two comments together, Jonathan, that carries behind you. you get, if you put the two comments together, uh, think back again to um, 
the, the message that, that Jesus is, 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 is um, providing this region is different and it's spreading quickly like an apple, uh, like an apple seed, and it has to. Like, th- to me, there is a sense of urgency here because I mean, Jesus is going to be dead less than a year. Like there's, there's going to be conflict. We're going to see it in chapters 11 and 12. Jesus' message of Messiah and King also comes along with some pretty bold and some pretty restrictive um, requirements. Uh, and calling out groups that they think are leaders. Uh, so it's not just, hey, Jesus is King. Hey, this is different. No, this is different, and, and what my, the message that Jesus is bringing is going to be a little bit, it's is going to cause some tension. Uh, it's going to cause some tension. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah, I just want to go back to something that I think I heard and wanted just to clarify. Sure. Maybe correct. Sure. What I thought I heard, going back to verse 8, where Jesus says to these 70, or 72, is... Eat whatever's before you, and that would be even if it was something forbidden, unclean. I think we'd be, we need to be very careful in that interpretation because there were strict laws in the Old Covenant about eating what is unclean. So sure. if that is actually true, then Jesus would be telling these people to break the law, and we know that cannot be. Yeah. So I think we just need to be careful that that's that interpretation. I don't yeah. see that in the scripture. No, and I may have, I may not have said. Yeah, I agree with Carrie. I'm not. If I'd said it differently, yeah, and I apologize. I think the goal, the goal of this is to, is to not. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't don't take um, don't take note of when you go into a city like this is a Samaritan or or um, don't don't take thought of. Um, not accepting hospitality, maybe from someone um, who, who, who you may not seek to otherwise. Because I'm going to again, we're spreading the message out, and we're spreading the message out about Jesus, about Jesus being King. Um, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was speaking a little too fast, maybe. Uh, maybe I said something. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's continue. So Jesus has sent these seventy or these uh, seventy-two out. And they come back, Luke chapter uh, 10 and verse 17. The 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven, excuse me, like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. They return. Uh, they return with slightly different news than the apostles had returned with in, in Luke uh, chapter, chapter 9. And then Jesus responds, and Jesus is joyful. Jesus is happy, which is uh, something that I'm sure he was uh, often in the Bible, but there's not, some, there's not a, a lot of times where Jesus is expressly talked about as being happy and joyful in an occasion. So Jesus is joyful in this occasion. So obvious question is why? What makes Jesus uh, joyful about the situation that he's currently in? Okay. Okay. 
There is a, a message being spread, and there's, there's evidence of it in some of the, the results. Uh, the demons are subject to these men. So there is a, an evidence that they are speaking with authority and that they are, they are witness of it. Their ability to cast out demons is, is, is shown, and it's something that makes Jesus um, joyful. Jesus is, is joyful in, in the action. Like, he's not rebuking their idea of being happy that it's happening. He shares in that. But he wants them to go a little bit further as well. What else, not only about the message being spread, but what else does he want them to be, to be joyous about? Their faith, right? Again, think back to what we, we talked about. The, 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 the message is spreading, and he's asking these people to go out and spread it into a, to large cities. Um, there could be some apprehension there. There could be some negative results. He even talks about potential negative results in the first part of chapter 10. The fact that it is happening is, is testament to their faith. Um, they have the ability to, to cast out demons. That's important. But Jesus has already said um, that um, in, the book, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, just because you have the ability to cast out demons... And does it really mean much? Because there will be people at the end who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons? So they have the ability uh, to speak with authority, but they have uh, faith uh, and their names, their names are recorded in heaven. Um, yes, rejoice over your power, of your power and authority which I've given you, but they should also rejoice in the salvation uh, that they have. Having your names written in the book, recorded in heaven, is a salvation-type message uh, that he's giving uh, that he's giving these people. Um, one more comment on, on this section, and then I'll open it up and see if anybody else has anything. Chapter twenty-three, excuse me, chapter ten, verse twenty-three and twenty-four are really, really fascinating to me. Anyway, turning to the disciples. He said privately, blessed are the eyes which see these things, <clears throat> excuse me, which, these, which things you see. For I say to you that the prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them. And to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. So the disciples are rejoicing um, about what's going on. Uh, Jesus turns to, his, to, his, to, to the disciples and says, you need to see what's going on is incredible. Uh, I want you to think about the people that you studied as a kid. Uh, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, David, Solomon. They did not get to see these things. They did not get to hear the things that you get to hear. Uh, take that to heart. The things that we've talked about in in. In, um, in, in uh, the tabernacles, in the synagogues, the things that you've learned about, the things that you've studied, the things you've listened to me say that, that make you conclude that I'm f- the fulfillment of that, think back to the people in the Old, in the, well, not the Old Testament to them. Think about the people in the scriptures uh, to them who've come before you, who you see in such high regard. They didn't get to see such things. Um, think about what you're witnessing here. Um, there is an expansion of a new kingdom, and you're getting to watch it. You're getting to watch something Solomon didn't get to see but wanted to see, Jeremiah, Elijah, etc. I think it's very, it's very interesting that Jesus appeals back 
to, um, to his spiritual heritage and their spiritual heritage as well um, to give them a little bit of sense of perspective uh, right here. Um, any, other, uh, any other thoughts on the, the results of, of their, their going out and, and coming back? Yeah, Carrie in the back. Now you look at this passage here, beginning in verse 17, and things really haven't changed that much. Because how often do you hear about people um, exalting themselves about you know, their success in converting yeah. people to the gospel? And, you know, you hear about stories of, of preachers and other men who keep count of how many people they baptized. Where the focus isn't on man, and, and Jesus does this, the focus isn't on you, the, the messenger. The focus is on God, and we mm-hmm. need to rejoice that God has made known his will Right. salvation to man. Oh, that's right. That's a great point, Gary. Great point. Hey, Jonathan, right here. Uh, Jason. Kind of to your last point that you made, I think it's, it reminds me and made me think about, you know, going back to just a few chapters in Simeon and seeing Christ being born and kind of saying, I've looked for this my whole life and now I can die in peace. And so mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to me on two fronts. I mean, to your point, this, this passage in thinking back from a historical perspective, but also on the flip side of that, the nation of Israel has been looking for this king for many, many, many years, and they Mm -hmm. still reject him uh, because he doesn't fit the mold that they had in their mind. And so although there are the Simeons that realize it and and there are others, there are far, far more that still want that physical kingdom, and (laughs) they still miss it. You right. Know, so again, it's interesting on two fronts for me too. Keep that thought that Jason had about not fitting the mold uh, in your head, because the last, I mean, especially the back half of chapter ten verses, and in verses, excuse me, chapters eleven and twelve, is largely Jesus speaking, and it's going to be an amplification of this isn't the mold uh, that we expected here. Uh, this is not what we expected the message to be. Um, all right, let's, let's continue. We've, we've come down. We've had a, a happy occasion of, of the message being spread and God's uh, sovereignty uh, and, and Jesus' messiahship, the message spreading. And there's a, a situation where a lawyer, perhaps seeing this situation, seeing what's going on, uh, wants to have a conversation with Jesus about uh, what to do in the, in, to inherit the eternal life. And that's how we get the story that we call uh, the Good Samaritan, like an illustration of the, of the passage around love your neighbor. I'm certainly not going to add anything to the Good Samaritan. It's not, not been um, uh, talked about in, in the past. Um, I would say maybe a, a couple of things to me to make it... Um, relevant here it's the beginning it it is an illustration that begins a section where jesus spends a lot of time teaching uh, and and instructing and and there's there's two laws that are that are put on the table you know love god you know with all your heart verse 27 and and loving your neighbor as yourself Um, the lawyer is asking him who is his neighbor and and to me the point of the story has always been you can say you love god uh, without objection, uh, no one can deny that. But if you say you love your neighbor as yourself, uh, that is a statement that can be validated, that can be verified. Um, so be mindful, lawyer, uh, people who are listening, of what it means to, to love your neighbor. Again, it's the first point of many. 
This message is a little bit different. Uh, this one is a little bit more uh, complex that Jesus is bringing as Messiah. Chapter um, uh, 10, verse 38, is also a, a, a story um, of two women with Jesus, Mary and, uh, Mary and Martha. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, and, and Brian can validate this uh, as we go through the, through the classes, but there's, there's a series of stories that happen in a pretty uh, condensed time right here. We're going to have this story, excuse me, the story of, of Mary anointing Jesus' feet, Luke chapter 7. We have this story here in Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha and the hospitality that's provided. We have the story of John 11 where Mary and Martha bring the news of Lazarus' Lazarus's death to Jesus. And then Jesus is uh, prepared for death, uh, so to speak, in John chapter 12 uh, by Mary. Um, so this is kind of, the, kind of in the middle of a, of a series, of, a string of stories between Jesus and three close people to him, Mary, Martha, uh, and Lazarus. In this particular story, um, Martha is, is uh, let's, well, let's just see what it says in verse 40. Martha was distracted with her own preparations. She came to him and said, Lord, you do, do you not care that my sister has left me to all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, uh, Martha, to me, is the central person in the story. Uh, not, not Mary. So let's talk about Martha. Was, was Martha jealous or was Martha angry? What is she? She's frustrated. That is not a choice, David. I need jealous or angry. <laughs> I think you're leaning towards angry when you're saying uh, she's frustrated. Which would be the right answer if you if you got my notes. That would be the would be the right answer. Je, je, Martha's not jealous that Mary's spending time with Jesus. Martha is frustrated. We'll use David's word. Is frustrated that that Mary's not helping her. Mary's not helping me. Um, one thing to me that that's striking about Martha's response is Martha's is 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 just that she's she wants help and she's frustrated. She's not she's not getting help. So. To, to Jesus, what does Jesus say? As only Jesus can, in a tender and and and, and loving way. What is the nature of Martha's fault uh, in the story? So if her struggle is she's frustrated that she's not getting help, what is the fault in that? Okay, Martha's service was not wrong, but her attitude about that service and its priority was the one uh, there, there was that was wrong. There's nothing wrong with a lot of things that keep us from the one thing. That's the most important. There's a whole host of things that are not wrong that we can do that can get in the way of the one thing that is right. I think that's the message that Jesus is trying to, to, to get across, not only to Mary and to Martha, but it's the reason that Luke uh, is, is giving it to us to record for us today. All right, Luke chapter, oh man, Luke chapter 11. Um, again, Jesus is talking about um, he, Jesus is going to go through a series of teaching, uh, and, and this one prompted by the, his, his disciples about prayer. Jesus is praying in a certain place, and after he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught <clears throat> excuse me, his disciples. 
And then Jesus prays what is customarily called the, the Lord's Prayer. Why do we not hear the Lord's Prayer that much? Yeah, we've heard its misuse. Okay, it's, a, it's fair. So we've heard its misuse. Does that mean it is no longer valid? No, certainly to the opposite. Uh, it, is, it needs to be taken to heart despite the cultural perspective uh, that we might have um, from, from time to time. We need to understand what it means and what's, and what's going on. Um, there is a, a petition by the disciples knowing that, that Jesus' message is spreading. There's a, this, is, this is how I, how I see this. They, they want to see how they can be more like Jesus as they spread this message. Jesus is a prayerful person. So, Lord, teach us to be like you in this way. Help us in this way to, to pray. Jesus offers this prayer, and then he offers two principles around how to pray. Uh, in chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. I really like this story a lot in verse uh, 5 through 10. It's, it's, it's almost comical to me. So let's, let's read it. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to you from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children are already in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is, a, he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So you got a guy who goes to his neighbor's house, knocking on his neighbor's door, saying, hey, I have guests, and I need to borrow some bread. He's like, hey. It's check check your watch. It's midnight. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I need bread. I need it now. Um, it's, just it's funny to me if you think about it. If you think about it. But what's what's the point Jesus is trying to make? To about pray. You want to pray like me? These are some of the things you can say. Say it and say it and say it and say it. Knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. Even if you think it's annoying. It's not annoying. Knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. That's how you talk to God. First principle, be persistent about it. Second principle, um, verse um, uh, 11. Now suppose, again, another illustration. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, will he not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The second principle is be, be mindful that you are speaking, you're being persistent to a father who's motivated to give you good things. Um, there is a, a, a receiver on the other end who has your best interests at heart and wants to bless you, wants to provide for you, wants to instruct you, that's who you're speaking to. You're not speaking to someone to say, man, if he just says the magic words, I'll give him X and Y and Z. You're speaking to someone who is a father. And what father does not want the good for his children? So that's how to pray. There are certain things to go through when you talk to God, but there are certain attitudes you have to have. Be persistent and be motivated by the idea that you're talking to someone who wants to give you 
what is good for you. Okay? My words per minute is speeding up. Uh, yeah, Chris. Jonathan, over here uh, to Chris. <clears throat> In verse 13, where it says, uh, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Uh, what do we think that is meant by that? You got the mic. Go ahead. I don't, no, I'm so, asking a question. No, I, I understand. I understand. How I, much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I'll offer, I'll offer my opinion. And then if someone else wants to, uh, wants to give as well. So think about... What is, to, what is to come? Not necessarily to, just to those who are hearing and here, but to those who are coming in the future. You know, the, again, Luke is writing to people who are in the church, um, who, who are hearing this, who, who may have the Holy Spirit. Right? So, again, the principles not only apply to the disciples, but think about what you are given as part of the gift of the Holy Spirit that was provided starting in Acts chapter 2. Um, I mean, there, they, I, you, I could go a lot of routes there, but the, the message and the instructions from God, um, the the ability at the time in the first century ter- church to to give gifts of a physical nature in order to help one another through teaching or through healing, etc. Um, I, I think, regardless of the point, uh, regardless of what the gifts are given, um, they come from a Father who knows uh, that that the the mechanism by which some of the gifts are given is the Holy Spirit. Um, and those gifts are going to be given to the people who need them in a, in a good way. Uh, they're not going to be given something that you can't use or something that's not going to be beneficial uh, to others. Okay, so you don't... Um, I, I guess I would just offer this then that I don't necessarily think it means uh, that it's a, it's a gift like healing or like prophecy necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. No, I wouldn't think so. Right. Me and to us. Go back to verse 9. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and, and it will be opened. You know, from a spiritual, what we can gain from the Holy Spirit, that's what we need to be continuing to do now. And that's not mm-hmm. miraculous in any sense of the word. It's knocking and seeking and digging into the word and understanding what the Spirit would give us. We can apply that last verse to uh, in verse 9 also. Sure, sure. All right, it's going to switch, switch gears a bit um, and introduce a, a, a bit of a, of a controversy um, in the name of uh, the Pharisees. So Jesus cast out a demon, chapter 11, verse 14. And we've seen this before, but there's a conclusion <laughs> that this demon has been cast out um, on behalf of Satan. I mean, this proves that I'm going to say this statement, and I'm going to elaborate on it. So, so hold on with me. You can prove anything you want from the Bible. So you can see something uh, and, and, and use that evidence and miss the point. Uh, that's, the point that's, that's the point that's being driven here. You can take something that's happened and miss the point. Um, that, that's what happens here with, with the people of the, uh, of the Pharisees. Um, Jesus talks about why. This would not be the case. Again, use this logic that, that Brian talked about before. Verse uh, 17, this doesn't make any sense because Satan would not shoot himself in the foot. And in, and in chapter 11 and verse 21, um, the bigger and the stronger is better. 
So if a demon is cast out, there is implication that the stronger one has prevailed. Okay? So recognize that uh, as, you, as you see these, this, um, this kind of action happen. Again, messages come, the message is spreading, and there's tension here. There is a miracle that's happened, and Jesus is publicly calling out a misapplication of the miracle uh, that has occurred. Skip down to um, verse uh, 37, Luke 11 and verse 37. Again, the Pharisees are, are, are talked about. Jesus is, is asked to come and have lunch uh, with the Pharisee. In verse 27, excuse me, 37, he went in, reclined at the table. And when the Pharisees saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. This is a Pharisee's house. Everyone's going to be ceremonially washed. Everything that you need to do your ceremonial and your ritual washing is going to be there. Everything's there to do it. So what does that mean? Jesus didn't ceremonially wash and he didn't do it on purpose. It's not that he didn't have access. It's not that he forgot. He sits down and has lunch with this person and he doesn't go through the ritual that the Pharisee did. Which sets up attention that Jesus, that Jesus is certainly not going to shy away from. Because in the rest of the chapter, he uses that tension to teach them um, in a series of woes to the Pharisees. Um, woe to you, to the Pharisees. Let's look, just look at a couple. Woe to the Pharisees in verse 42. You pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, yet you disregard justice and the love of God. Verse 43, for you love the chief seats in the synagogue and the respectful greetings in the marketplace. Verse 44, you are like concealed tombs, the people who walk all over them and are unaware of it. Verse 47, for you build the tombs of the prophets and as your fathers who have killed them. Verse 52, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter and you hindered those who are entering. And this is after being offered a lunch with these people. They're offering fellowship to him. They're offering to, to, to dine with him. And this is how he responds. Uh, let me tell you a host of things you have wrong. Um, again, back to what I said at the beginning. The message is spreading. The 70 have gone out after the 12 have gone out. And Jesus is Messiah. And there is, a, there is a, a strength in that. We see some of the strength in that in chapter 10 that the, the demons are responding. However, there is also tension in that. Uh, this message is not all happy to everyone who hears it. There's a particular group of people here who are definitely going to be unsatisfied with how uh, this message uh, comes out. You see their reaction, verse uh, 53. When he left there after having been but offered lunch to come in and, and dine with someone, he leaves. The scribes and the Pharisees begin to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. So I think Luke right here is setting up what is about to happen. All right, so you've got a, again, message spreading. That There's now tension in that message. And now we have very visible, very public opposing sides. Jesus with one message and one group who has a sole function of trying to figure out how to get him in what he said. Okay? Right here, Jonathan. Uh, Nate. 
I think that's one thing to, to point out too is, you know, the Pharisees, they always had their intentions. They always had their motives behind it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus knew that. And he, he always took these opportunities that these Pharisees set up in what we would see as entrapment scenarios. But Jesus took those opportunities to expose their hypocrisies. Right, right. And it's very visible. It's very visible here. Um, all right. Well, Brian's in the room, so we can't do what I asked you to do and everybody telling that we got through uh, chapter 12. So that won't work. Uh, what, um, what I do want to say uh, at the beginning of chapter 12, I kind of just tee this up and I'll give uh, Brian my notes uh, for, for next time. There's a different scene in the beginning of chapter 12. Um, under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples these things. So Jesus says, message is going out, right? There's been a, 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 an active engagement to get it to all the cities, and now there's a response. He has a massive crowd around him. Um, so part of it has worked. The message has spread, but here comes some more of the message being good, but also the message being tense. Uh, there's going to be a, a struggle here. There's, there's, there's crowds. Uh, what do crowds do? Uh, cra crowds do not uh, change. You can't change a crowd. You've got to change. You have to look at the certain people, and, and crowds create um, uh, confusion. Uh, crowds can create confusion. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of noise. What have you heard? What have you heard? So Jesus has to come out. Whatever he says here, here forward, when he's around crowds, has to be bold, and it has to get their attention. Uh, because what has happened, his message has gone out. Now it's been, it's been heard of who he is. Now, what does this person have to say to us? All right. I'll have to uh, leave it there. Thanks for everybody's uh, thoughts and comments this morning.